Good morning, Crossbridge. Wow, it feels like a long time since I've gotten to say that. Good morning, church. Can you believe that it's been a year of us doing church this way? Um, yes, I know you can believe it because you're experiencing the same year that I have. That's been kind of a theme lately on everyone's social media posts, every conversation, anytime anyone talks about anything or there's any dead air in a conversation, we find ourselves saying, oh my gosh, can you believe that it's been a year? What has your perspective been during this whole thing, right? This whole pandemic, the whole 2020, the beginning of 21, what's your perspective been? Some of you have said, wow, 2020 has felt like eons. It's felt like three years all rolled up into one. And some of you actually said, actually, it went pretty quick. Um, it wasn't a really big deal. There really hasn't been any changes. Some have said, I've been in my house for so long and I, I'm going crazy. And others have said, yeah, after about uh, one week, I said, forget it. And I uh, quarantine what? Some have said, I just, I can't wait to travel again. And some said, really, because I've been traveling this whole time. Others have said, wow, I just really cannot wait to travel again. And some responded to those people, really, because I know you've been traveling this whole time. What a crazy, crazy year. I said it before when I preached in the summer. I'm thankful for this. Thankful that even though we had to do all of this, church and ministry in these creative different ways. I am proud that even though we had to be separate for a long time physically, that many of us have remained connected spiritually through the gospel, through our relationship with Jesus. And over the past few weeks, you have been hearing a lot about Crossbridge and how we have decided to handle the story of Crossbridge when it came to moving to a virtual church and to the different locations. I mean, right now I'm preaching at the Classy Cow, which, you know, during the normal times of its operating hours, sells barbecue food. And now here I am preaching to you and doing a church service. Last week, you got to even see the bigger picture of how we fit in our denomination of the Christian and Missionary Alliance being challenged, right, to fix our eyes on Jesus and to ask ourselves a real question. Does Jesus have our yes no matter what? Does Jesus have our yes no matter what? What a question. Think about that just for a second. Does Jesus have our yes no matter the circumstances that surround us? This year, we all, all of us had to come to this reality when it comes to our faith and our relationship with Jesus. Think about that. Even if you're just listening to this message today, that means you have some kind of relationship with Jesus, whether you don't know him and you're hearing him for the first time, or you've known him for years and you're wrestling with how you view your faith in this whole year and everything going on, or maybe he's been your rock through it all. So we all right now listening who are in person or who are virtual have some kind of relationship with Jesus. And the students here at Crossbridge, those who are a part of CB Youth, are no exception to this. As we all had to wrestle with everything going on and all the division that we've seen in our culture on so many levels during the past year, our students were also in the midst of all of this. They too had to wrestle with their relationship with Jesus. Do they have one? Would it waver during this time? How would Jesus love others during this time? What about daily Bible reading? How am I going to pray and what do I pray for? Where, where will we meet for youth group? 
and then tack on, you know, all the school stuff, talk about priorities, all the craziness of school and virtual and hybrid. And I think we can all agree that the students during this time had a lot to process. And I think about CB Youth and all of our students who we love so much. There was a lot that changed for them this year. Now, I don't, I don't want to go on and on about what we've lost this year. I think it's important to acknowledge that, but we've, we've done that. We, we've been doing that all year. We've been talking about how much we've lost and, and kind of the depressing nature of the past year. But I do want to acknowledge the teenager's perspective. I have the privilege of hanging out with them all the time. So I want to quickly, you know, very quickly try and sum up everything that's happened in CBU during this year. And then can we move forward into what God has for us today? Amen. Because we saw a lot. We took a ministry that was fun and active with tons of games that were all hands-on, none of them being socially distant, and the, the, the days full of laughter, and they had to turn and tell these teenagers, not only do they have to do school online, they can't see their friends, they have to quarantine, but they also have to do youth group online. How in the world do you take something as big and active and hands-on as youth ministry and then put it online and expect it to have the same kind of pizzazz? It was crazy. I mean, there were moments where we had like, like so many students online trying to do all these weird games and still make it fun for everyone. My living room during this time instantly became a studio. So I'm recording messages in my living room and I would be on Zoom endless amounts of times and I was trying to find games that we could all do online and I know some of those games cause chaos in your home and I am not sorry for that because it was insane, but somehow, somehow in this Zoom virtual world, it was fun. We were surviving this thing together and we did movie nights, Among Us nights. We created something called Faith and, and Fortnite. We had a senior high all-nighter. We did conferences. We had a weird, weird blast during this time. But then it got hard. Week after week, seeing each other only through screens. During this time, we saw students wrestle with some real anxiety. And I mean, they were afraid. Some students were frustrated and didn't truly understand what the heck was going on with anything in the world. We saw students who were just angry, like deep down in their souls angry. I mean, I've seen some of these students, you know, for years now, and I've never seen them even have a frown on their face, and here they are telling me over this screen, I'm just tired and sick of all of this. But then on the flip side, you had, we had students who loved it. The fact that we were online, I don't have to deal with people in person, this is the dream. I can do my school online and finish faster. I don't have to you know, get caught up for like this weird, awkward game. This is perfect. I can stay in my room forever. And we had moments where the conversations over Zoom were deep. And I mean really, really deep. People sharing their hearts over these computer screens. But then let me tell you just the flat out truth. There were a lot of times where it was just silent. And I mean silent. I mean, these students did not say a word. Are you getting the picture I'm trying to paint for you? It felt like Zoom was more tiring than actually being in person because since everyone is on mute, everyone is on mute, I'm laughing at my own jokes 
right? I'm sitting there on screen laughing at my own jokes and I'm trying to be more animated than I ever am, trying to get the students to engage. I mean, really, can you picture me being more animated than I already am in my resting state? This is what Zoom made me do. But by June, we started to see the momentum and the weird fun and the surviving of this thing begin to die off. Zoom was not fun anymore. Ask anyone, ask my leaders. Zoom was not fun anymore. Students got less and less and the weather outside got better and better. And we had to make decisions as a youth ministry of what we were going to do next. So I do have to say thank you. Thank you to all of you all of you families that rallied with the youth ministry and thank you to my youth leaders who decided, okay, we're going to move outside and we're going to be in person and gather together. And I want to give thanks to those families that allowed us to be outside in person in your yards, using your fire pits, going through all your propane tanks, grilling for us, preparing food for us, getting ice cream for us. We tore up your yards, used up everything. We were loud beyond belief, but because of you, in a time where it felt so lonely, these students got to be in community. It was safe, it was fun, and we got to learn more about Jesus together. But I do have to admit, I, I really mean this, it was hard making decisions during this year. And obviously this is not news to anyone. How do you keep a youth ministry up and running when you have people all over the map when it comes to what we were doing, virtual or in person? We made choices and we chose for a youth ministry to go all in person. And for some of you, you were not comfortable with that. And that was more than okay. We, we miss you. It was a hard decision. It was hard to try and balance both. And we definitely leaned way more in person. We weighed out all the options and tried different things and made decisions. And it, it was hard. And yes, there could be some things that if I backtrack, because hindsight is twenty twenty, maybe I would have done differently but we wanted to gather together and be in community. So we chose to go in person. And we are looking forward to all of this soon coming to its end. It feels like we are beginning to see the light at the end of the tunnel as more of you are returning and your students are returning as well. Now I talked about that for a long time. So like I said, I do not want to focus on all the doom and gloom of this past year because one of the things that I found amazing this year was our soap study of the book of Jeremiah that we just finished. Over this pandemic, I began to read the book of Jeremiah and oddly enough, I began to fall in love with the book of Jeremiah. I thought he was just such a great prophet and man, the things he wrestled with, wow. He, he, talk about inspiring. And as I was reading the book of Jeremiah, it became, became so clear to me, the love of God for his people. So when we as a church decided to be soaping, you know, studying the book of Jeremiah together, I gave the youth kind of a, a warning of that this could be a hard book to go through depending on your perspective of how you read scripture. So we began soaping in junior high and in senior high. And I have to tell you, I was shocked at their response to reading this book altogether. The students would say sometimes at the end of Bible study, wow, I love this book. Or this book is so relatable. Really, the book of Jeremiah, where the Babylonians come in and the whole time it's doom and gloom and Jeremiah saying, hey, they're coming for us and we're gonna be destroyed. The students are saying, yeah, it is just so relatable. They love the book of Jeremiah. These students, 
were able to not only see the fire and brimstone, doom and gloom they saw in the pages of Jeremiah, but they took it a step further and they saw the hope of glory that was also found between those pages. Today, that's what I want to do. Not focus on all that we've lost, but focus on what we've gained. Focus on where Jesus showed up throughout this year in different ways. Because we all had a lot of questions this year for the church, for each other, for ourselves. But do we have the space to talk about those questions? In a world that is so divided, does the church look just as divided? Think about that for a second. In a world that is so divided, do we as the church, not just Crossroads, but the church globally, the Big C Church, do we look any different in a world that's so divided? If you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. It says this, I therefore, and this is Paul talking, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This is what we wanted for our students. This is something that I want for CB Youth, that CB Youth be unified together, that we approach all things, all topics, in humility and gentleness, bearing with one another. In the youth group this year, we wanted there to be space to ask questions, to voice doubts and insecurities, to share our opinions on different topics and issues, and then come together, to, all of us, understanding what it says in the text, to have these issues and opinions and look at the Bible together and figure out what the Bible actually says about these things. Not from human reasoning, not cultural driven ideas, but what does the Bible say about these different issues and topics and questions? Over this pandemic, we were getting this moment where we talked about why so many students across America leave the church once they graduated from high school. And this is probably something I've shared with you before. Why do so many students, right, two out of three statistics say, leave the church after high school? A huge reason for that was found out to be that these students, once they graduate from their youth ministries, the whole time have had doubts and questions, but yet nowhere to voice them. They couldn't voice them at youth group. They couldn't voice them with their friends. They couldn't voice them to their churches. So they just never return after graduating. But a big issue is that we see that today everywhere. People find it hard to talk to other people. It's hard talking to anyone, isn't it? I mean, how much are we guarded with our thoughts, guarded with our opinions, and in that we begin to stop sharing, stop talking with one another, and something like the church, right? Something like the church that is supposed to be this tight-knit family begins to feel alone and isolating. How is that in the church? So for our junior hires, we started this series called Alpha, and we've done it before, but what a perfect time to bring it up again, where the students do a lot of the talking about faith, and it starts from the very, very foundations of faith. It covers topics like who is God, who is Jesus, who is the Holy Spirit, why does evil exist, how can we trust the Bible, you know, all the big topics. 
These students would break up into little groups after watching this video curriculum at youth group. They would break up into groups and begin to discuss their thoughts on these topics. And the leader's job, right? The leaders we have in youth ministry were not just to talk to them and then give them an answer and then and say, send them on their way and the, this is what the Bible says. But the leader's job was to spark discussion to get the students talking peer to peer, to let the students have questions and to be able to say, hey, I don't know the answer. Let's try and find it out together. And the same was with our senior hires. We didn't do Alpha because they actually did that when they were in junior high. So they've done it before. But it was cool. It was a cool moment that the student leaders actually had to come back into youth ministry and they got to lead Alpha with some of the junior high small groups and it went awesome. But with our high school students, we tried to think, how can we get them talking, right? How can we let them answer questions and have questions and voice their thoughts? And how can we shape these students, these individuals, into having a biblical world view, right? That's because that's what we want. We don't want them just to come to youth group and play games and then leave knowing nothing. But we wanted them to have a biblical world view. And in this... Right In this, this series we did with the senior high and the junior high, this is where we began to find unity. What is the difference a year can make? In a year, we could see the need, the push for unity. And the need, we saw the need to be open and to be honest. I believe that this year, from all my years in youth ministry, that we entered into a new space of being open and honest with each other. And are we perfect at this? Have we figured out how to have complete honesty and complete openness? By no means. But it's what we are after. And I think that all of this can be summed up in one verse. Right? Everything that the teenagers and who they are can be embodied in, in one verse. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. It says this, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. I feel like so many of our students and leaders, and myself included, we strive for this. This idea to, be, to encourage the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, and in purity, and in faith. And did we fall? Absolutely. Some of us even fell harder than others. But I got to see teenagers, I got to see students remain in unity amongst all of those issues. Teenagers, young ones, were able to have tough conversations that adults we can sometimes shy away from, that we are shying away from. So what did we do? What, how did we get them to be open and honest and is it actually even working? Well, I don't know if it's actually working. I can only speak to, my speak to my experience that I had with them. But for senior high, we began a series called Middle Ground. And this is something that I saw off of YouTube, right? It wasn't for youth groups. It wasn't for churches. It was some YouTube video that I stumbled across. And then over Frisbee golf with Brett and Joe, we figured out how to adapt it to a youth ministry series. And then Joe, one of our leaders, was able to take that idea that I had over Frisbee golf with this thing called Middle Ground, format it, and then partner alongside me in creating this and speak. And we would swap speaking every other week. So I know your question, what is Middle Ground? Well, I've been talking a lot 
right? I actually don't know how, how long I've been talking because I tend to talk fast, so I might have a lot left or a little left, depends on your perspective. But stay with me for a minute. What we did this year for youth group was take a list of topics, and not only did we talk about them during this time, but we let the students do the talking. And how we did this was we started everyone in the room. We got everyone in the room that was there for senior high, and we put them right in the middle. We lined them up in the middle of the room. And then we would pose a question or a statement. And the students, and leaders included, had to pick whether they strongly agreed or just agreed or somewhat agreed with that statement, and vice versa, flip the script, whether they strongly disagreed, disagree, or somewhat disagree with the statement. And I know some of the students even wrestled with all those options. They're like, we need a somewhat kind of sort of basically disagree. Um, but we started them on the line, we'd pose a question, and then they would spread out amongst these lines. And we would say statements like, I would say, the Bible has all authority to tell me how to live my life. And then they'd, they would choose the line they wanted to stand on, whether they agree, disagree, strongly agree, strongly uh, agree. Statements like, my parents understand my anxiety. And they would pick a line. I pray daily because it's important to my faith. They'd pick a line. Or I don't pray because I don't see the effects of it. And they would pick a line. All life is valuable. My faith is the number one priority in my life. Statements like, I make disciples. And then once they picked a stance or a line, they had the opportunity, they had the chance to explain why they chose to stand where they stood. And you can see how this had the potential to get ugly. Because this all has to do with your personal worldview and your thoughts on a topic. And we talked about a lot of different issues. We saw how life has been lately. Is there really a safe spot, a safe space and place where you can actually do this, discuss your worldview, and it not get ugly? Because right now in the world, it seems like that's becoming less and less of a place to talk about it. So what kind of topics did we do? We did topics like, do all Christians think the same? Priorities, prayer, evangelism, science, anxiety, the value of life. Can you lose your salvation? What's the progressive gospel? Who then can be saved? And we did a lot more. So take a minute and think about some of those topics and think about some of those questions that could go with these topics. What if someone didn't agree? What if someone said something that could be seen as offensive? And what if your worldview and my worldview did not line up? What was the point of all this? It wasn't just to hear what we thought, right? Because we can do that anytime, and we can argue and debate anytime we want. It wasn't just to hear our thoughts. And it wasn't only to find our middle ground on where we can agree. The point of this all was not to just find the middle ground, but to find the biblical ground. What does the Bible say? What does God say about all of these things? So we started off the series on day one with this verse in, found in James 1, verse 19, right? And this was kind of our ground rule for the series. It says this, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. I know I have a problem with that. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Talk about a verse I think we all need a reminder of, that we as believers are called to listen to each other and not be so quick to have a response, but be quick to listen first. This is all part of humility. 
This is how we bear with one another, like Ephesians was saying, being willing to listen to each other and not jump right to anger or calling things out in each other. To understand though, why are you coming from that certain direction? Why am I coming from mine? And then together we go to the text because we have to remember, we have to remember that inside of the church, we are talking from believer to believer. The same Holy Spirit that dwells within me dwells also within you. The same Holy Spirit that dwells within that student dwells within that leader. Are we living out this verse? I saw areas in my own life during this time where I would just be so quick to have an answer. But then later on, I would think, wait, did I actually even listen to what the person was actually saying? If I was to put all of Crossbridge, all of you, all of Crossbridge in a room and fire off some questions pertaining to these topics, would we be able to do this? Would we be able to agree and disagree in some areas and then come together and search the scriptures for what it actually says and find the most biblical answer? Or would this divide relationships and bring out the ugly? Would we be so about unity that we could have these conversations and differ on some things, but agree that we both want to follow the commands of Scripture wholeheartedly? And I know what you're thinking. There are some things we have to agree on, right? There has to be points where we can disagree, right? That's a great question, and thank you so much for asking. You're right. We talked about how when it comes to our faith in Jesus, that there are some things that have to be non-negotiable. We as believers have to land in the same spot on some of these topics and on some of this stuff. We have to land in the same spot when it comes to who Jesus is. We have to land in the same spot that the only way to the Father is through the Son. We have to land in the same spot that we all fall short of God's glorious standard. But God sent his son to die in our place so that we can have relationship with him. So do we have to land in the same spot if the earth is 6,000 years old or way more? I don't think so. That's a secondary issue. It's fun to talk about. It's fun to discuss. But when it's weighed against salvation, it's not a salvation issue. So do we have to agree that each follower of Jesus is called to make disciples? Yep non-negotiable. Are we called to repent of sin and walk in the spirit? Non-negotiable. Are we called to be in unity with all followers of Jesus? Yes, it's non-negotiable. And there were times during this middle ground series that we all did agree on a question, but there were other times where we would all be just completely spread out, even the leaders. And some topics were easy and some topics were tough. But I can tell you this, and this is honest, it never got ugly. At least not as ugly as most of the disagreements that I see between followers of Christ on social media. So I hope you hear me. Hear me in this. I am not saying that things we don't agree on don't matter. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that the things we don't agree on don't matter. But the point of middle ground was to get to the biblical truth. Then came the hardest question for everyone to answer. Will I then listen and obey and follow the truth that we've unpacked tonight? Would I truly listen to what the most biblical ground is and then obey it? I wonder if we are if we are allowing ourselves to be in a spot where we can be openly leading people to truth and vice versa, be led to truth, starting with what the Bible says and being unashamedly biblical.
The students impressed me this year. When their friends would make poor choices, their friends would own up to it. When someone fell in the faith, instead of condemning them, I saw a group of friends hold hands and pray for their friends who were struggling. They read together, they prayed together, they checked in on each other. Like I said, was it perfect? Of course not. Of course not. But all of it was part of sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus with each other. This is the church. This is a small form, a glimpse into unity. And this is something that has been on my heart all year long, something that I really had to wrestle with. So it keeps coming up, this idea of unity. And Jesus, in John chapter 17, if you want to turn there with me, in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying to God. They call it his high priestly prayer. He's praying for disciples, right? He's praying for the believers, and he says this. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them as you have loved me. Jesus is praying to his father and he's saying, like God, like I am in you and you are in me. Can the believers throughout eternity be in us? And did you catch what he said? So that the world, right? The entire world would know that God sent Jesus so that we could be one. That we are brought to complete, to perfect unity, so that the world will know that Jesus came, died, and rose again, and loves them. His prayer was that we would become perfectly one. That the world would know the love of Jesus through our unity, through our love for one another, for each other. That we, as believers of Christ would be like a family and that although we may disagree in some areas, we focus, we focus like Pastor Kelvin said last week, that we are so focused on Jesus loving one another that the world would be like, I can't not be a part of that. I need to be a part of that. Whomever they're following, I need to follow too. This year brought a lot to our attention, but it's only a wake-up call if we wake up to something. Hear me, church, if we're going to have a wake-up call, we have to wake up to something. And I would argue it's not about waking up to something, but waking up to someone. I would argue it's about waking up to Jesus, fixing our eyes to the author and finisher of our faith. This is what the youth taught me this year, whether they know it or not. They've taught me this because I saw teenagers in a time that could be so divided stick together. Think about all of the Bible verses we tend to stick to as a church. We have stances on alcohol, and we hold deep to them. We have stances on sexuality, and we hold deep to them. And we take them seriously, as we should be taking them seriously. But you can't say that I'm going to take these commands seriously and then not take the other commands seriously. And for us to be united is a command 
meant to be taken seriously. Think about it. Jesus is praying to his father and he's having this moment with God saying, I pray for all of the believers throughout eternity to become perfectly one. If he's praying that to his father, don't you think that's important? Don't you think that's something to follow? Look at these few verses that talk about what happens when believers are not fighting for unity and are not bearing with one another in love. Turn your Bibles, if you have them, to 1 John. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 to 11, it says this, Whoever says that he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there's no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. It also says this in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. John writes in this letter so many things about unity and love. I'm going to encourage you, church, read the book of 1 John. It's a small book. You can probably read it in a sitting. It should take you only 10 minutes or so. And I know some of you are like, well, I really hate reading. I'll give you an extra 15 minutes to read it instead. But read this book, because seriously, verse after verse, page after page, it talks about unity, that we are meant to have unity with one another. This love, this complete perfect oneness and unity, and we are to be united with Christ. These verses should make us self-examine ourselves. They should encourage us to continue to love others deeply, or they should make us insecure. They should make us insecure and examine, maybe, maybe I have not been taking all of the commands of Christ as serious as I do others. So what about us? I think, church, it's time to stop looking back at this year and all that we lost and all that was hard and all that was doom and gloom. But church, I think now is the time to look ahead, to look ahead to what the church will look like to the world now. Think, wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this message, vaccines are rolling out, schools are beginning to open, the weather is getting better, and we are starting to meet in person again in different locations as we begin to be unified again physically, because that time is coming, church, we're gonna be all together again, hopefully sooner than later. What will it be like? What will the world see? When we come together, will we be so unified, like a family back together, filled with this supernatural love that people are like, what is going on? I wanna be a part of that. I, I wanna say this, I, I, I agree with Pastor Jimmy and what he said in week one of this series. People leaving. It's hard. When people leave a church, it's hard. It, it, it is. We wrestle through it. And I want to talk about this. Some people left because they found community somewhere else. That's not a bad thing. Let me tell you that some people left because they just found community somewhere else. That is okay. They plugged in. And you know what we should be doing as a body, as a local church? We should bless them to go do this. That, that doesn't make them not our family anymore. It just means we're not going to do Sunday mornings together. That's the beauty of the church. The church is not building driven. It's global, right? It's a global one body church. All Christians are believers, not just the ones who attend here. The church name doesn't dictate if we're brothers or sisters. Because what's the phrase? Brothers and sisters in Christ. 
not brothers and sisters in Crossbridge. Some have left because they don't agree with our biblical stances, and that's true. And you're free to do that. If you don't agree with where we stand biblically, you are free to do that. And we'll continue to pray for you. And we're praying that you go after truth above all else. And our hope is, like in Middle Ground, that we could talk about why and learn from each other and bless each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. But I do want to talk about some of us are lost in convenience. Let's be honest. A year of church online that has challenges. Maybe our priorities have been shifted and maybe we've lost focus on what church is really about. Because what's it about? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. So I want to encourage you today, just like our students encouraged me, stick together. Love unconditionally. Go after God, even if you fall along the way. But if someone falls along the way, may we as the church pick them up. If someone's falling into convenience, where are we to say, hey, no, I need you in this, right? Your family, I'm not going to let you not come to the family reunion. We're gathering together. I want you there. I need you there. I want to worship with you there. Can we as a church be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry? Because we, the church, are meant to be perfectly one. We are meant to be like a family. And as many of you know, right, this past weekend, I was away with some of our senior high students at our spring retreat. And I'm excited for this. I didn't think it was going to happen, but a few churches banded together and we decided to have a spring retreat. And while there, one of our students decided that he wants to follow Jesus. Amen, right? He wanted to follow Jesus. So he wants to give his life to Christ. And although in his full admission, he goes, I don't really understand totally what that even means, but I want to go after him. And we all prayed together. But what got me was one of our other students with a huge smile on his face said, today is a great day. Welcome to the family, right? He said it out of his own mouth. Welcome to the family. That's what this is, right? Jesus, who knew no sin, right? God, who loved us so much, even though we have sinned, sent Jesus to come and take the penalty of sin and take our place on the cross so that we could have this relationship in him and that we can become one with Jesus, who is one in the Father. That because of Jesus and his death and his resurrection, we get to abide in Christ, like he abides in the Father. We can have a relationship with a triune God and be unified with him. And we are united with Christ. And Christ's prayer for us is that we are perfectly one and united together so that the world can know of his love and the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, the one who was and is and is to come, would be made known to the world through our love, through our unity for each other. That's what we're celebrating next week at Easter. That's why we want to continue to gather. That's why we want to be together, whether virtually or in person, so that the world can see the love of God and know him. And to those who believe all that, you are in the family, children of God. You are in unity with all of believers throughout time. Those who walk with Christ and those who are waiting for his return. And if you're watching today and you want to take that step, you don't have a relationship like I described earlier. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. Let me tell you that you can have that now. You can be part of this family and follow after Jesus right now. 
Simply put your faith and trust in him. And you might not have all the answers. We don't have all the answers. I told you we had the space to say, I don't know. And you can pray, God, I, know, I don't know all the answers. But I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to know you and to follow you today. And I am making a confession of faith. I want to follow you. Help me, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that, I want you to know you are loved by God. And I want you to do this for me. I want you to message us on Facebook or email us at prayer at crossbridgecc.org. Not for numbers, not just to know your, your info. But I want you to message us because we want to welcome you to the family personally. We want to say, hey, welcome to the family. Today is a great day. And we want you to know that we are on this journey with you to help point you on where you go from here together. Church, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to be together again, wherever that is one day, in a school cafeteria, in another church like Grace, or right here at the Classy Cow O Wings Joint in Logan Township. But may we fix our eyes on Jesus and become perfectly one, completely one in Him. So this week, let me challenge you, reach out to someone. I know a lot of us have not seen each other in a very long time. Let's not make the first time we officially gather be the first time we have spoken in a year. Reach out to someone, be bold, add someone that's in the comments right now that you don't recognize. Hey, just message them on the side and hey, hey, I'm so-and-so and I saw you in the comments of Crossbridge, I, I wanna introduce myself. Yes, I know it's awkward, who cares, who cares? Let's be one. Let's welcome people into the family of God. So I want to leave you with this, church. Turn your Bibles, if you have them, to Philippians chapter 3. And I want to look at verses 12 through 15. It says this, I do not mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you, but we must hold on to the progress we have already made. May we not get caught up in the past, but instead look forward to what lies ahead, pressing on to reach the end of the race to Jesus. Let us hold on to the progress we have already made. Next week is Easter, right? Next week is Resurrection Sunday. So let us together fix our eyes on that, on the empty tomb. Right? Let us not notice the death on the cross solely, but notice the empty tomb. Let's go forward together. Two services, 10 a.m. online, 1 p.m. in person, the same service. Invite someone on the journey with you. Don't miss the opportunity. And church, may we be united and perfectly one with each other and with Christ as he is with the Father. Let's pray. God, we love you. You prayed for us in John chapter 17 that we, that all of those who believe 
and one day we'll believe, would be perfectly one. That when we follow you, we're invited to something bigger than ourselves. It's no longer our story, but it's your story, God. And as we prepare for Easter, as we prepare to celebrate what you did for us, which was the gospel, may we bring others with us. May we celebrate together. And God, as a church family, may we leave the things in the past behind and move forward together in unity and in complete perfection with you. We love you, Lord Jesus, so much. May we follow you the rest of our days. It's in your holy matchless name we pray. Amen. See you later, Crossbridge. <laughs>